From the offices of Courtney Dehoff, a.k.a. her apartment in Dallas, the cowgirl-turned-television host brings you the Cowgirl Problems Podcast. This podcast is where country and city living collide. Cowgirl Problems is dedicated to anyone who is trying to figure out what the heck they're doing with their life. It's for the cowgirls, cowboys, entertainers, and everyday hustlers sorting through all of life's problems. Buckle up. Here goes nothing. Welcome back to the Cowgirl Problems podcast. Our next guest, or my guest today, I guess I should say, is an equine photographer. And she literally photographs the who's who of the equine world. Like anyone who is doing amazing, cool things in the equine world, she works with them. I am so excited to be with Beth Hay today, all the way from California. Hello, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am good. I want to sort of start at the beginning and I want to know a little bit about you, how you got into photography. Did you grow up in the equine world? Did you grow up on a farm or a ranch? How did you get involved? (laughs) Yeah, not so much. Uh, So I was born and raised in San Francisco. I mean, other than the Grand National Rodeo coming to the Cow Palace every year. <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of Western culture or lifestyle around me, but I was horse crazy from the get-go. If you ask my parents or my you know, sister, I was just obsessed from a young age. And we found horses. There was one barn, one English kind of equitation and dressage barn is smack dab in the middle of Golden Gate Park. And we found it because I was having, I guess, a little picnic with my mom one day. She would, she used to love to take us and sit in Golden Gate Park because it's beautiful. And we saw a trail rider and I was a super, super shy child. Like could not get me to talk to anybody, let alone a stranger. And I guess I walked up to this woman on a horse and I said, where did you, where'd you come from? And she said, oh, there's a barn around the corner. So we followed this woman <laughs> on her horse barn. And I asked at the desk, how old do you have to be to ride here? And I think my mom was shocked that I had talked to not one, but two strangers that day. And the uh, person at the desk said, you have to be eight. And I said, mom, I'm eight. Like, pay the woman. <laughs> Sign me up. And it, lessons were $12 <laughs> when I first started. Oh. And I took lessons once a week, pretty much until I was 18. And then when I was 18, my parents said, pay for, pay for this yourself. <laughs> so, so kind of lit the fire even more because it made me realize how much I wanted um, to have horses in my life in any way, shape or form. So then I was a working student at a hunter jumper barn in Palo Alto for about two years. And one of the trainers there, actually two of the trainers had gone to Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo. And they both advised, oh, you should go there. You'll love it. You'll be immersed in horses. They've got such cool programs for you to do. And I was kind of over being in the city because I realized if I was going to have horses, it was going to be really, really difficult to do there. So I went to Cal Poly and I still rode English with an eventer. I was a working student for her for a year. Um, but in the meantime, all the classes at Cal Poly were all Western based. 
So they put me, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I would ride this cutting mare in classes. And Tuesday, Thursday, I worked with this eventer. And I quickly figured out how fun cutting and cow horse was and how much easier the cost of entry was. <laughs> and that also cowboys are very cute. So <laughs> I kind of converted from English to Western at Cal Poly. <laughs> I love this. And I just have to tell you, I'm so jealous because as a little cowgirl in Kansas, I found out that San Luis Obispo had a rodeo team. They have a rodeo team, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, they do. So I informed my parents that I was going to go to school on the beach and be on the rodeo team. Well, when you live in Kansas, that's a really long ways to take horses. So that, that did not we work out totally for me. <laughs> that did not work out for me, but how, how what a cool story, you know, learning to essentially ride in Golden Gate Park. Like that's just something that so many of us you know, can only dream of. What a great story. Okay. So you fell in love with horses. You knew that that's what you wanted to do. Where did photography come in? So it came in, um, I guess the first time I was going to travel, like really travel on my own. Um, I was 18 and I was going to be going with some friends and I wanted to be able to take pictures. And my aunt, my mom's sister was a hobby photographer and always had like the house that she grew up in. My grandpa had converted a closet into a dark room for her. Um, Cause she was really into it when I was turning 18, wanted a camera, but I'd never used one before. So my aunt let me borrow hers, which was film. It was a Canon uh, rebel film camera at the time. Cause I'm old and she did not want me to break it. So she taught me how to use it. Like she sat me down for about half an hour, put me in aperture mode and taught me how to not break her camera. <laughs> that I was going to take with me and how to load film because she was like, the worst thing is going to be if you go photos and get back and nothing turns out. And so she didn't want that to happen for me. So she sat me down and taught me how to do that. And I went and the film was botched. So that was kind of a boost that like, oh, hey, like I can do this. And it was really fun. So when I got back, I, um, since I was actually 18 for my birthday, she got me my own film camera and I took it to the barn (laughs) and I would write down in a notebook, you know, like the first frame, I wrote down what my settings were, what the lighting looked like and would take a picture. And so when I got it developed, I could see where the mistakes were. So that's kind of how I learned. When I was graduating Cal Poly, I think I was looking on Craigslist for a mattress, which, ew, gross, do not advise. Like, don't, <laughs> that don't, is brave, I have to admit. Don't ever do that. That's what happens post-college when you're like, I have no money. But um, I scratched that, did not get a mattress on <laughs> Craigslist, but I saw a $300 uh, digital Canon camera. And I really hadn't touched a camera in a while. Uh, And I was like, oh, well, so digital is a thing now. That's cool. So I picked up this digital camera for 300 bucks. And um, it was just a hobby for a really long time. I upgraded to another Craigslist find a few years later. And then three years ago, I was like, hey, I think I want to do this. I said it to my husband. I said, I think I think I kind of want to take pictures, but specifically of horses and horse girls is that is that a thing and he was kind of looked at me like 
you're an idiot. I can't believe you just put those two things together. <laughs> like, like camera and horses. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. Go for it. And so, yeah, that's that, I guess. Oh my gosh. And I love that story. And that's part of the reason that I love you and I love what you're doing. You embody Nancy Lady Cowgirl, you know, someone who didn't necessarily grow up in the world of horses, but knew it's what you wanted to do, pursued it. And then, you know, sort of just by luck, instead of ending up with bed bugs, you ended up with a wonderful career, you know, that really worked out. Totally. Yeah. Totally could have gone south to bed bugs for sure, but luckily it didn't. That's so funny. Okay. I did not know that you had not always been doing this full time. So I want to ask you this, maybe there's someone listening who is thinking about taking that leap into just really pursuing something that they are passionate about full time. So a little background on me, I've worked in television for you know almost 15 years and I still work in TV, but I no longer work exclusively for one network. And I sort of, like you, I had to make the decision that I wanted to really be able to pursue the things I was passionate about within the agriculture community and this fancy lady cowgirl thing. And so I finally took the leap as well. Mm-hmm. How did you get up the nerve to do it because I know there are so many men and women out there who are, are really wanting to do something, but they just haven't quite decided to take the leap. Um, I love that. And I love your story. I love the fancy lady cowgirl, I have to say, because side, sidebar, before I answer your question, <laughs> I never um, really felt like I fit in in either world. Like I never fully fit in in the English writing world because I wasn't fancy enough. I, you know, I never had my own horse um, until I graduated Cal Poly and then she was a Western mare. But then in the Western world, you know, those San Francisco roots, I think people always question and not growing up around ranching, but marrying a pretty darn punchy (laughs) kind of guy who did grow up in ranching. um, I never really felt like I fit in in either world kind of till I had my camera in my hand. Um, because it gave me um, a different way to look at the Western world and to really document it and see, you know, the obvious beauty in it that people growing up in it see, but that people where I come from don't necessarily see. Um, So it was kind of a way of um, not always feeling confident working the ground all day in a branding pen, <laughs> you know, um, I'll, I kind of rotate with the ropers now. So when the rotor ro- ropers, uh, work the ground and rope rotate, I kind of rotate working the ground and sitting on the fence with my camera. So, um, it was just a way to appreciate that world and kind of belong in my own way. Cause you know, I, I can't change that. I didn't grow up in it, but it doesn't seem to matter because I love and appreciate it and show up for it in my own way. So I love that. I love your fancy lady cowgirl. So good. Oh, thank you. And I love what you said, belong in my own way. I I wrote that down. I'm like, yes, that is what it means to be a fancy lady cowgirl. It means you belong, but you, you do it in your own unique way. And and I love that. That, oh my gosh, so good. So I love, good. I love when I see girls and, and girls that have grown up in it too, but I love when it comes to branding season and I see girls wearing lipstick in, in the branding pen or, you know, it's kind of like my husband says, branding season's like social hour, you know, like you see all your friends and all these things and you've got show off your new tack and your new cult and, and all this stuff. And I kind of love when I see 
especially the lady folk, uh, kind of do it up proper. I love seeing lipstick or I love seeing, you know, fancy silver bits or, you know, things like that. I just love. So <laughs> that's the part of me where I'm like, oh, there's still fashion. There's still <laughs> like fashion. That. There's still fashion and ranching. Yes. Now For I, sure. I like that. And I love that, that you embrace that. How did you finally decide, okay, I'm going to do this full time. Yeah. I was, I'm trying to think back what the final push was. And I kind of think it was twofold. Part of it was my husband. Like he is such a confident person. Um, and he has started his own businesses, like running his own cattle and farming and things like that. Um, so having him in my corner, knowing how to legally start a business was really nice. Like that it wasn't going to be all completely figuring that aspect out on my own. So having him to help me was a good push and him being so confident and kind of saying, I'm glad you finally figured that out, you know, um, was a big confidence push for me, but me figuring it out, I think it came to, um, it just lit my heart on fire. And I think if there's something that lights your heart on fire and, you know, that thought you can't go a day without thinking about it, why waste time? I mean, I just feel like life is so short. Um, and when you get to choose a path to them, I think that's the best <laughs> choice that we can possibly have in life. So if there's something in front of you that there's an option, there's a choice and it lights your heart on fire, your soul on fire, you can't really stop thinking about it. I say do it because anything else is a, is a waste of time. I mean, I fully believe like you got to pay your bills and do all those things, but um, if it's feasible and you can do it, um, even if it is part-time, if you are part-time for a while before you go full-time to whatever this new endeavor is, do it. If it makes your soul sing, do it. Oh, <laughs> preach, preach girl. And, and I think it's awesome. You know, this as well as I do. And anyone who's sort of followed some new or unconventional path, you know, it's not going to be easy, but, but it's always worth it. I, <laughs> last was it last year it seems like 10 years ago because COVID has like really kind of messed with my brain but the the first year that I wasn't working you know full-time at I say nine to five but it was more like a 3 a.m to 8 a.m network tv job I had to get creative I walked dogs girl like I was a dog walker so that I could afford to buy food to feed myself while I pursued you know whatever my western agriculture platform was going to be but it just it makes me so happy and I so encourage anyone listening man go for it and I also love something else you said I talk a lot about fancy lady cowgirls and I talk a lot about women and empowering them because I'm very passionate about it but we could not do it without the men in our lives. And it's interesting because I've been recording some other podcasts and all of the women have said, oh man, but I had a great man in my life who encouraged me and said, go for it. So I just want to give a shout out to all the men. I don't know if any men listen to this podcast, probably not, but I just want to say that I support and, and love and uplift men. And I don't think that we could be the women that we are without them. Yeah, no, he was, he was a great person to have in my corner and he's, and it's nice knowing that there's always someone in your corner, you know, between my husband and my inner circle of friends, 
you know, that's, that's what life's about. Like, so it, yeah, definite shout out to him. So he'll listen to this episode. <laughs> oh, good. Sure. So I have one man. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about the actual photography, because if yeah. you're not familiar for all my listeners, if you're not familiar with the work she's doing, you're who I use for inspo. Beth, anytime I need inspo and like, okay, let me get on and see what she's doing. I think I found you initially through Lindsay Branquino, who mm-hmm. I love. And then I sort I of got to, I got to looking at all the people you've worked with. I'm like, wow, she is like the real deal. She has worked with all the famous cowgirls that I want to be like, this is so neat. Talk to me a little bit about the creative process, because what I love about your photos, they aren't. I don't even know how to, they're not necessarily your traditional like horse and girl photos. I mean, there are, I've seen photos in the water. I've seen photos of girls in dresses on horses. I've seen high fashion and I, I, I've seen photos that sort of run the full spectrum of what it means to just, you know, to be a cowgirl and to be in the equine world and to love horses. Where do you get the inspiration, I guess, for the photos? Where does that come from? Um, mostly from horses themselves. And then, cause I just, I think there's nothing greater on this world, <laughs> earth. I mean, I'm definitely a crazy horse girl through and through, like always have been. It, it might've been my word after mom and dad as a child, like <laughs> mom, dad, horse, like it might've been that, but, um, it really comes from them. And then when I've got a pair, a horse and rider pair in front of me, it comes from that duo, that love, because I understand that so deeply. Like my heart ached for that as a kid until I finally got my first horse, you know, not till I graduated college. And she was the sun, moon and stars to me. Um, and my horses to this day still are like, they're why I do, they're why I work so hard. They're why I do everything. So I think there's like nothing more beautiful than, than horses other than the relationship a person has with their horse. Um, and particular, I would say particularly women, I mean, definitely men bond with horses and there's tons of professional male equestrian athletes that are amazing, but I am, I am a horse girl. I identify with my fellow horse girls and there's something about a girl and a horse that's very empowering, or at least I felt that way. I was such a shy child, as I mentioned previously, that being around horses and being able to steer them where I wanted to go and ride them and take care of them gave me the confidence to grow up, I guess, and just be an adult human. I don't know. They just give me so much confidence to grow as a person. So that bond and that relationship um, is the crux kind of, of any creative inspiration that I have. And then I think secondarily would be, um, I, I honestly think, I don't know that you can like blame creativity on a location or give it credit, but growing up in San Francisco was very creative, especially at the time when I grew up there, it was a lot more bohemian than it is now. Um, I think it was a little bit more artsy fartsy. And I mean, one of my field trips in fourth grade was a walking architecture tour. So at 10 years old, I knew Victorian architecture because that's what we were studying in school at age 10. So I think it was just a place where you're surrounded by structure, like architecture and plays. My mom was really into seeing plays and musicals. So I would go with her and 
things like that. And I just liked fashion as well. So putting those two things together, the kind of high with the low or the um, fancy with the more rough and ready, like I love putting them together if possible. <laughs> oh, wonderful. And all of that, everything you just said, you can see that in your photos. I mean, it really shines through. You're so incredibly talented. Yeah, I, want, I have to ask, do you have any like wild stories? Because I grew up around horses my entire life. In fact, I just did a photo shoot for Fancy Lady Cowgirl. And my, my wonderful dear girlfriend, who is actually a fashion stylist, went with me. We didn't have a photographer. We just took them on our phone because don't, don't, I know we're not professionals, but someday. <laughs> oh, I like them. No, someday. I saw those. I was like, I, it's one of those things where you see it and you're like, oh, I would have died to be there. Um, <laughs> be so oh my gosh. Well, the goal is to someday work with you. I'm like, okay, someday <laughs> so I'm going to be famous enough that I can work with her. But for now, we've got to shoot these on our phone. But you know, the, the horse that we used was a stud. And Alex, my girlfriend, she's not a horse girl but she just is very supportive of everything I do and she is taking the photos and I'm like explaining I'm like now Alex he's boy he's a boy like he's all boy and what I was meaning was like he's a stud so you know pay attention he has no idea what I'm saying you know she's like okay okay well at one point during the photo shoot he does the famous you know stud sniff a mare squeal kick act like an idiot and I just you know yank him and I say with that and I yeah. yell at him and I just look over and Alex's eyes are just like as big as they can. And she's like, that really scared me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I forgot that horses are unpredictable. So do you have any like crazy, wild, just funny stories from working with horses? Because you never know what they're going to do. Honestly, I've been lucky, but not, not too bad. No. Um, I also have a contract, <laughs> you know, and there's a, there's a large equine liability portion to that. Um, for that very reason <laughs> that horses are unpredictable and you know, we never know. I do do an amount of talking to clients beforehand to kind of gauge, uh, where they're at. And, um, most, I mean, all people that I've worked with have been, you know, accomplished horse people. I've had good horsemanship. So nine times out of 10, you know, they're the one handling their horse. Um, you know, sometimes a trainer's present and, they're not afraid to get after them. And I tell them that too, you know, that there's things to ways to prep them, make sure they've been fed, even if it's not feeding time, like feed them early because a hungry horse is a terrible model, but a well-fed one's a little bit. Better. So if they've been fed and, uh, you know, we kind of pay attention to them if they need a potty break, kind of dance around and fidget. And uh, if you see that happening, toss them a stall for five minutes, they'll go to the bathroom and then they're back ready to do it again. So just knowing horses, uh, I think, makes it run a lot smoother than it would be if it was a non-horse person uh, behind the camera. Um, and I did notice that. I actually had photos taken of my horse and myself years ago by my wedding photographer, who's extremely accomplished wedding photographer, stunning, stunning um, creative himself but not a horse person. Mm -hmm. And while the photos turned out technically perfect, he didn't really get why I wanted her ears up or why one angle would be better, make her look better than the other. You know, horse girl, I don't care what I look like. I care what my horse looks like. Um, and they turned out fine and I still use those photos this day, but that was kind of a pivotal moment where I, I realized it's gotta be a horse person for the safety aspect and for knowing how a fellow horse person wants that horse to look. Um, 
anytime I've had to shoot, there's typically been a stallion handler or someone who wasn't afraid to get after him. The only issue I've ever had is uh, their fifth leg coming out. And it <laughs> was at a time when I didn't really uh, have any Photoshop skills to speak of whatsoever. So I had all these photos of this awesome <laughs> Arabian stallion where I'm like, yeah, pretty sure my Instagram account is going to get shut down if I post oh, this. So typical, I, typical stud. <laughs> yeah. So I reached out in my little local group to the wedding photography group. And I said, Hey, is there anyone in this group that is a Photoshop wizard? I'm talking Harry Potter. Like I need someone with mad skills that can sit down and teach me how to do like set this, especially one thing, but a few other things. And this girl answered and we met at a coffee shop and she was like, what can I help you with? I opened my laptop to that image and this poor wedding photographer goes, Oh my, <laughs> so this is what we're doing. And I was like, yeah, this needs to be gone so that I can <laughs> use these photos. So this poor girl sat with me for about an hour and helped remove stallion wiener from <laughs> several photos. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that is it too. That's too funny, you know? One of the things, um, I, I'll be honest, I am probably wouldn't have been smart enough to recognize this in your photos because I'm, I'm, I'm not a photographer, but you really use a lot of natural light and you sort of say that like natural light is your jam. So after I read that, I went back and looked at your photos and I told myself that I could see it. I don't really know if I know what I'm looking at, but explain what that means, you know, that I assume it means you, you predominantly rely on, you know, the natural light. So it means no flashes, um, or other external lighting implements such as that. I mean, I do at weddings, you know, you need to use a flash, but when it comes to horse stuff, I, or any portrait, I just love the look of natural light from the sun and um I love that golden hour glow that happens around sunrise and sunset and I just think it's so creamy dreamy and golden and beautiful and that's my favorite kind of light I mean you're not you're not going to get it on an overcast day or a stormy day you'll get different effects that are really really cool but I kind of like that the study of how light affects how your images look, um, particularly when it matters to human skin tones. So light is really the make or break on making someone's skin look good um, and look flawless. Like it actually isn't up to solely editing to do that. It's lighting will make you look your very best. So knowing that and understanding that, um, I'm kind of obsessed with it. I, sometimes I'm a brat about light. <laughs> so um, I like to know before I go to a location, like what's it look like? Send me some iPhone photos. What is the lay of the land? Where's the sun gonna set? What angle? You know, that kind of thing. So, um, and then it helps educate my clients what I'm looking for and how we achieve that outcome. Like this is how we make you look your best. So you're, you're on this path with me to help me make you look your best. Wonderful. Do you have, you've worked with some really cool people, but I'm listening to you talk and I'm like, I wonder if she has, like, do you have a dream client? Like the, is there one person in the world that, you know, whether it's Anna Wintour or whoever it may be, like, who would your dream client be? I honestly, I'd have to think about that. Um, I don't know that I could 
think of someone off the top of my head, but when I'm just thinking of my ideal client in general, it's someone who is just obsessed with their horse who, you know, has maybe done a similar path to what I've done where, you know, fresh out of like where you've sacrificed, you've sacrificed for your horse. If you need to, you've missed out on social engagements because, you know, your horse didn't look quite right. And you kind of wanted to hang around and see that they were okay. Or, um, you know, just lived and breathed them. So it's not necessarily anyone famous. I don't think I'd probably more want to shoot a famous horse. Like I probably, I'd probably want to shoot like Zenyatta or, you know, <laughs> a famous horse versus a famous person and horse duo. Um, cause I'm just obsessed. So, but in general, like who my ideal client is, the person in front of my camera is someone who just lives and breathes their horse and isn't afraid to be vulnerable with me and show that that's kind of the ideal. A perfect horse, crazy girl answer. Um, <laughs> right? I mean, it's a little obsessive. It's my husband says horse girls are like crazy cat ladies. It's just a different animal. <laughs> yeah. A little more, a little yeah. bigger, a little more expensive, but it's all relative. Yes. No, I yeah. agree. You know, Beth, one of the things that I'm super passionate about is storytelling. I mean, I, I'm, you know, a TV host, a journalist, but really I'm a storyteller at heart. I, I love telling the Western community, the rural community, the equine communities stories, because like you, I'm very, very passionate about the people and the animals and the land that make it so incredible. And I think photography is just such an incredible tool for storytelling. Mm -hmm. So I just want to ask you, you know, in what ways do you use photography to sort of help tell the equine communities stories. I mean, just looking at your photos, it's very evident. I just sort of wanted to hear in your words. Um, I think for me, it's, it's about the relationship between horses and people. And it's not just a relationship that obviously, it's not obviously not a relationship that just occurs between girls and horses. Um, I've also noticed it occurs um, in cultures. And so I think that's how it uh, translates to the Western culture is horses are very much a part of it. I mean, you know, the, I guess a cowboy wouldn't be a cowboy without his horse kind of a thing, or, um, you know, his job would certainly be much more difficult without it. Um, so that culture here, you know, that I'm exposed to on a daily basis, but cultures everywhere. I got to go to Spain um, in 2018 because uh, I'm obsessed with Andalusian horses. I think they're the most magical of all the magical horses <laughs> available in the world. And um, I got to go and we were in the Andalusia region where Andalusians kind of hail from. And they are so much, their horses are such a deep part of their culture. You can't find a Spanish person that will talk about their history without talking about horses. Um, and that was like a light bulb moment for me, like how much have been ingrained in our world history, history of different cultures. Um, every, every culture has a story of how horses helped shape it. Um, and I just think that's super, super cool. Like there's some quote, and I can't remember who said it, between right next to like human footsteps throughout history, there have always been hoof prints next to them. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. And so I just think horses are a part of our story 
Um, and that's just the one niche that I choose to know is horses and their relationship to people. Um, and whether that be hunter or equestrian or whether that be branding season, you know, cowboy lifestyle, ranching lifestyle, um, it's still part of that individual person and many cultures story. Um, and I just see things that way, I guess, and to a picture. You know, that's, that's amazing. I, I sort of, when I think of horses, you know, I, I envision, you know, rodeo and growing up riding Western because that's just sort of what my brain immediately goes to. But you're so right. Horses have such a, a pivotal role in so many countries around the world. And I love your story about Spain. And I have where we're going to go next. And I, I, I did say we, as in you and I, because I'm just going to go. I don't really know what my role is going to be, but I had a similar experience in Siena, Italy. Um, I had the opportunity to go to the Palio de Siena, which is a bareback horse race through the streets of this old Italian village. But one of the coolest things is it's a week-long celebration before, you know, the race starts and they bring the horses into the church and they walk them down the aisle of the church and they bless them. And they have a huge meal in each neighborhood in the city and the horse sits at the head of the table. And when I think of your, your passion and your photos and it's just sort of, you know, it just made me think of you. So I think that you should go and bring me. My head just exploded. Your camera. Oh, I will send you photos. My it's the wildest thing you've ever seen. I will send you photos. We should probably go. I've been trying to find someone to go with me. What a perfect person. Um, but I, I just, mean, once this, once this Corona stuff goes away, my head true. just exploded. Like you true. telling me, like walking them through a church. I was like, what? Yes. <laughs> I need to go ASAP. It is the coolest thing. They do it twice a year. So it's soon as COVID is over, you and I will just go. We'll check it out. You can take some photos. I'll tell some stories. It will be wonderful. Um, this has been, this has been great. I just love getting to talk to another uh, fancy lady cowgirl who loves horses as much as I do. Before I let you go, where can people find you first of all? And if someone's listening, who's interested in working with you, how do they go about connecting with you and uh, where can they find all your information? So I am on, I have my own little corner of the World Wide Web. I have my website at www.elizabethhayphotography.com. And there's links on there to my Instagram, Facebook, and you can contact me through there. Um, if you're a potential client that wants to book a session, um, sign up for my newsletter and you occasionally get your inbox filled with pictures of ponies and <laughs> all the good stuff. Wonderful. And I would encourage anyone listening, even if you're not looking for a photographer right now, I could bet I could spend hours scrolling, not only through your Instagram, which I love, but I got on your website and I was like, what? There's even more photos and they're, they're more fabulous than the last group of photos I looked at. So anyone who loves horses, I would encourage them to just check you out and to follow along and you're always working with cool people and the photos are amazing and i'm just putting this into the universe now someday we are going to work together and 100%. i cannot wait 100 percent. i think there needs to be a fancy lady cowgirl gang photo shoot i, <laughs> I agree. I, I think all the fancy lady cowgirls need to uh get together for a photo shoot and maybe some champagne and ponies. Oh my god. I think gosh. that'd be pretty fun. We have to make this. Yeah, happen. and Italy's happening. Italy's, Italy's happening. happening. 
I'll fly out to California. I'll take photos with all those fun girls out there. We'll come to the Midwest. We'll just make it. We'll just, we'll just take a tour. This is going to be great. Your husband's like, wow, this girl's a nightmare. She's taking you to Italy. You don't even know her. What? Oh no. My husband should be used to that at this point. Like (laughs) horse will travel. He's like, where are you going? Do you know this person? No. All right. Be safe. Have fun. (laughs) But you know, you can trust horse people. That's just the thing. You can trust horse people. Yes. Exactly. You, you just know them. It's, you know, like you just, you just know, there's, you just know them without knowing them. It's a thing. 100%. So well said, Beth. Thank you so much for joining the Cowgirl Problems podcast. Thanks for having me.